0: We are often incapable of teaching others what the hell it is we do for a living. Welcome to All of the Above, a podcast about design, code, and learning. Each week, I am typically joined by Sean Duran and Sam Bantner in an effort to look at the world from the perspectives of an instructional designer, a user experience designer, and a software engineer. But due to some chaos in our schedules, this episode will not be typical and will consist of just little old me, Brian Brush. In last week's episode, the brilliant user-experience designer of our group, Sean Duran, discussed the idea that, in the world of design, context, not content, is king. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend you do. His genius really shines through in that episode, and anyone with even a minute interest in design would benefit from checking it out. I, on the other hand, am the instructional designer of our little trio. Now, I've briefly described what this is way back in our first episodes, but that doesn't mean everyone really understands what exactly an instructional designer does. If you're one of those people that still furls their brow and scratches their head when you hear me say instructional design, don't worry. Even my own mother has to ask me what exactly I do for a living every single time she sees me. So I suppose I should just refresh everyone on what that means before we get a little deeper into some of the topics that interest me. Just defining instructional design is a difficult enough task, which can bring about some serious debate amongst its practitioners, but here's the basic idea. Instructional designers look at pain points for, say, schools, or businesses, or medical facilities, so on and so forth. They then identify if those pain points can be resolved through training. If they can, then the instructional designer creates and implements training that is driven by an understanding of learning theories, psychology, and educational sciences. And once they've done all of that, they evaluate the success of these training programs to refine them until the intended goals are achieved. If I've lost you, I'm sorry. Instructional design brings about a delightful irony in the fact that we are supposed to be good at finding effective ways to teach, yet we are often incapable of teaching others what the hell it is we do for a living. But assuming you at least have a mildly better understanding of the field, let's get our hands a little dirty with it. I want to take some time to talk with you about multimedia and its role in education and training. Why? Well, every week I spend time designing and developing keynote presentations, educational videos, e-learning webinars, blah, blah, blah. And that means I am constantly considering when and where to include images, videos, audio clips, and text. To help aid me in those decisions, I turn to research. And maybe it's just the academic part of me, but the research on multimedia and learning is pretty damn interesting. So to start our descent into this topic, let's first consider what exactly we mean when we say multimedia. Each week, you give us the honor and privilege of piping our vocal patterns directly into your ears. Podcasts are a form of media, but they only operate on a single channel, which is audio. So, if you take a look at our show notes by opening up your podcast app or by typing all of the above.audio slash episodes slash 21 into your web browser, you will see some text and images related to this episode. Text is a form of media, and so are images. By looking at and experiencing these various elements simultaneously, we have multimedia. Simple enough, and I'm sure most of you knew that, but I just wanted to clarify. But let me ask you this. Do you think that media has an influence on learning? I imagine most of you thought, well, yeah, of course it does. Let's imagine a textbook with only the written word, no images of any sort, no video clips on the web to go along with it, not even an audio recording of somebody reading it. Just black text on a white page. That sounds like an ineffective way for someone to learn, right? Well, a fine gentleman by the name of Richard E. Clark would disagree with you and he would bring about a whole world of compelling research to back it up. Clark is pretty adamant that media does not influence learning. Andy has been debating this idea for a very long time with another gentleman named Richard Cosma. He is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum and believes that media absolutely influences learning. So while these two may share the same first name, they in no way share the same views on media's impact on learning. So I want to dig into that a little further. The debate between these two often comes down to semantics. Clark believes that although media can be used to teach, it does not influence learning. Take an instructional video, for example. We may think that would have more of an influence on our learning than just pieces of text on a page. But Clark tells us that, and I quote, We need to ask whether there are other media or another set of media attributes that would yield similar learning gains. End quote. What does he mean by learning gains? While I wish I had him here to ask directly, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he simply means that a learning objective has been met. If the goal is to teach somebody how to add two plus two, and they read text on a page, and now they understand just how to do that, then goal accomplished. So what Clark is trying to tell us is that even though we might feel that multimedia is more effective at teaching, it does not mean that it actually has an influence on learning. If we are able to learn anything through a single form of media, and in particular, say, text on a page, then it would appear that media does not influence learning. Instead, media is just a means by which learning can be delivered. Let me quote Clark again so you can get a better idea of his argument. In regards to media, Clark says that they are, quote, mere vehicles that deliver instruction but do not influence student achievement any more than the truck that delivers our groceries causes change in our nutrition, end quote. And he has been doing research on this since 1983, but I'm not going to bore you with all of that. Hell, I may have bored you already, but hopefully you're still with me and you're over there anxiously awaiting to hear Cosma's views on this debate, because that's exactly what you're about to hear. You remember earlier when I said that Clark and Cosma seem to be arguing mostly over semantics? Once you hear Cosma's argument, you'll know just what I meant. The question I posed to you at the beginning of all of this was, does media have an influence on learning? Cosma seems to think that the question needs rewritten. He says, quote, Perhaps the appropriate question is not do, but will media influence learning? End quote. When Clark and Cosma first started having this debate in the 80s and 90s, technology and the presence of multimedia was nowhere near the levels of today. It's now pretty much omnipresent thanks to the internet, smartphones, and even smartwatches. Cosma was forward looking in this debate and saw that future coming. At one spot in an article from 1994, he actually predicts all of this when he writes, quote, In the not-too-distant future, we will be faced with a situation where telephone, cable television, and digital computer technologies will merge. This capability presents the prospect of an interactive video integrated with access to large multimedia databases distributed amongst people in offices, classrooms, and living rooms all over the world. End quote. So, Cosma is pretty much the Nostradamus of educational technologies. And because of his ability to see the future prevalence of media, he became very concerned with its role in learning. Clark may be right that media is a mere vehicle by which we deliver instruction, but Cosma is pointing out that there's a pretty big difference between a horse and a Lamborghini when it comes to vehicles. Cosma is essentially telling us that if media is a vehicle, we should be thinking about which vehicle is best for the job. And especially so if we are in a world where certain vehicles allow for fast and efficient delivery to every corner of the globe. To close this out, I want to go back and consider Sean's argument about context from the last episode. You see, while Cosma and Clark had been going back and forth like a crotchety old married couple for years, a few other researchers started pondering if they were even debating the right question. Jonasson, Campbell, and Davidson write that we, quote, should focus less on the characteristics and attributes of media for conveying knowledge and more on the attributes of the human learner involved in learning and ultimately the construction of knowledge. This debate should focus less on media attributes versus instructional methods and more on the role of media in supporting not controlling the learning process, end quote. What they are saying here is that Clark and Cosma are so focused on whether media influences or will influence learning that they have not even considered what the role of the student is. Is their job to just sit there and passively receive information, or should they be actively involved in the process of learning and the discovery of knowledge? By answering that question, we could better determine when, where, and if media should be used and what its role will be for learning. Sean told us that context is king in design. And trust me, instructional design doesn't have the word design in it for kicks and giggles. It's to cite Cosmo again, a design science, not a natural science. I am fairly confident that Jonasson, Campbell, and Davidson would agree with Sean here. They write quote, perhaps the major failing of instructional research has been the lack of concern with the effects of context. We test treatments on unsuspecting and often unwilling subjects who have no interest or need to know about the content embedded within our treatments. That instruction and media exist in and rely upon their surrounding context is usually ignored. According to contemporary theories of learning, learning is most effectively situated in the context of some meaningful real-world task, End quote. So yeah, even in instructional design, context appears to be king it seems that before we can truly understand the role of media in learning, we need to be more cognizant of the context in which training is being delivered. And I think that's a pretty good spot to end this episode on. Now, if you want to keep the discussion going, or you're just curious to hear what my personal thoughts on the subject are, you can get in touch with me by going to alloftheabove.audio/contact. Or you can reach me directly on Twitter at Brian M. Brush. That's Brian with a Y, by the way. And for that matter, you can find me pretty much anywhere on the web with that same handle. For example, BrianMBrush.com will take you to my rarely updated website. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us out, go to alloftheabove.audio slash review. That will take you to iTunes where you can rate the show and leave us some feedback if you feel so inclined. It takes just a few seconds, but it will leave us smiling for days. Finally, I just want to say, on behalf of everyone here at All of the Above, thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Until next week, go ask your boss to ban shitty PowerPoint presentations and see if they have any effect on your company's performance.